Um, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, this week is the Wells Fargo. Um, it's a designated event this year, so you got the top 50 players in the world playing in it. Um, Rory's back, back. so yeah. you can see if those like last few weeks being off helped them out or hindered them more. Um, so, other than that, we're going to go through the uh, 10 rules that everyday golfers tend to ignore. I'm pumped for this. Um, that was put out by Golf Digest. So we can talk about that and then see if there's any other rules that we decide to ignore in just everyday rounds. Um, we also got our PGA Tour picks for this week. So we can go back to the normal scheduled one in the top 10, one outside, or one in the top 50, and then the sleeper pick. Um, and then obviously we're ending this week's episode with a unpopular golf opinion from reddit because that's how we're going to end things up now um, until we get enough people on social media that offer their own unpopular golf opinions yes until they offer their own um so last week um dub <laughs> last week you took the dub it's a big win for myself uh, it's a big win for you it's a big win for you yes. it's also a big win for uh, Dyson Duff. I guess, I guess uh, he won as well. I don't know what just happened. I can't hear you now. Oh. Yeah, it's just a loud, like, um, buzzing. Jesus. That's better. How about now? Whatever you did work. I think my AirPods are fucked. <laughs> okay. So, so it was a big win for you last week with Tony Finau. It's also a big win for the Garson boys. Um, so he finished at minus 24. So you get an extra five strokes on that because you just. Yeah, so he in. finished at minus 29 for me. Yep. I picked who I thought was going to be the winner because he was the only one that I thought would win in the field. Uh, John Rahm, who he was runner up. At 21 under par. So, again, a week where someone chooses the winner, someone else chose the runner-up. Mm-hmm. Um, what are the odds of that? We must know golf. We, we do. We must know golf. Other than the fact that I chose uh, Dylan Fratelli, and he shot a solid nine over par for two days before he getting cut. Otherwise, you would have had a really good week if he yes. didn't do that. I would have had a really good week because Cameron Champ shot 14 under. So, yeah. like, and my my guy, my guys, Streelman and Bramlett, uh, were one under. Streelman missed the cut, and Bramlett was thirteen under. So, you if you picked a guy that just was in the, at least the top twenty, it would have been a lot closer of the of the day. Like if I would have picked Akshay. Yeah, that's. Don't pick him this week because he's just going to tank again. If he's is he he's not playing. Is he? He's playing this week. Okay, don't pick him this week because then he's going to tank again. <laughs> I don't even know what, what the field is. The field is strong, but it's also yeah, it's very deep. Deep. Morikawa um, tees off tomorrow at 105. Cameron Young, okay. champ. Can I say the 
featured groups that they've been having, at least, I don't know about where you watch most of your golf, but I, I get most of my golf on the uh, TSN Plus because most of the time that I can watch golf, it's not on the golf channel or the regular channels. The featured groups suck. I don't know who's picking them. They're not the groups that I want to watch at all. Uh, the best featured group of the year so far has been um, JT, uh, yes. Tiger, and Rory. That was... Yes. It was like the golf father, son, and Holy Spirit playing together. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> but most of the time, like, I turn on so final round. I'm playing a little bit of video games. And I have my, my monitor next to me. I wanted to get the the golf on they weren't close enough to the end for me to like, turn it on to have to watch it with sound. So I just turned on the feature group feed and it was a bunch of guys in like T30. And I was like, what, what is going on right now? I, I want to watch Finau, Rom and Akshay finish up, but no, it's a bunch of random, random guys. No, just, just random guys. It, so it's... it's like, what are we doing out here? It's the PGA Tour and struggling with marketing players. Um, yeah. Quick, before we get too far off topic, uh, just to recap. So you finish, mine is 43 for the week. And I finish minus 26. So that leaves you at minus 97 for the for the season. And I'm at minus 63. Nice. I was, I almost doubled my, I was at what? 52? Yeah. Last week? Yeah. You almost doubled it. You almost hit triple digits. I got a good cushion. Almost. Hopefully I can get into triple digits this week. If I don't, then there's an issue. Yes. There's a big issue. Um, So, with the recap from the Mexico Open, um, I don't know. I didn't see too much about it. Again, it was one, another kind of vanilla week for the PGA Tour, but it was—I don't know—it was just—it was regular golf. Yes, it was definitely regular golf. Um, let me see. There was something I noticed. Uh, uh, while you find that, I just thought of a little point. Do you think um, these designated events are taking a little bit of the like oomph out of? the non like designated event weeks um i'm unsure really um usually we have you don't get the heavy hitters all in one event all the time but every once in a while there's you'll have like an all right field and then the field will be weak and then everybody will be in it and then a couple guys will be in it but now i feel like it's either everybody's in it or nobody's in it I don't, I don't do you agree uh kind of but not not really that because okay. the mexico open again you wouldn't have a full field okay mm-hmm. um bay hill which is an elevated event you would have majority of the fields going in because the next week is the players the genesis mm-hmm. you're going to have a lot of people playing in it because it's tigers tournament um, some of the other designated events that I can't think of off the top of my head, isn't it? Um, what's, uh, Nicholas's tournament? Oh, that one's is the Honda? No. What? No, Nicholas's it tournament. It's in, like, it's in, I don't know why it's, I like, really right after the PGA Championship. Uh, 
Memorial. Yes, the Memorial. Founded and hosted by Jack Nicholson. Why did I think it was the Honda? What the, who, What drugs am I on? Yeah, and the Honda is the, one of the tournaments that um, not a lot of players would play in. So kind of the designated events yeah. are the ones that majority of the guys on tour would be playing anyways. So mm-hmm. do I notice a huge difference on how many people are playing in the field? Not really. The one that I kind of noticed it was the um, the RBC Heritage because majority of the time before, it was the week after the Masters, so people like Rory, and um, it kind of gave them a break because they would travel home after the Masters. They will have a few weeks off because you'd have the Mexico Open. You'd have um, like a two kind of a two three week break before the wells fargo but now they don't have that because the rbc is a designated event so i think it's making them like play more which is good but it's not like draining the fields of other tournaments because those other tournaments would have been drained anyways yeah okay yeah i I can get on board with that it's like um I'm trying to. I, I don't know. I, maybe it's taken a little bit of like the, the fanfare out of it for me, I guess. But I, I just feel like the regular week to week watching hasn't been as exciting as I remember it being. Yeah, because um, I would say when you have more people in the field that are like higher quality and like higher up in the world of rankings, mm-hmm. you tend to like have the idea that they're going to go out and shoot the lights out. Yeah. Then yeah. you get into a tournament like this past weekend where the winner was at was Finau at minus 24 and you had like no one you knew and it kind of brought some light to those guys who you didn't really know yeah. who were shooting the a gazillion under par for a weekend. Like it's good to have some birdie fest type tournaments. But, like, not all of them should be birdie fests. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I I, I know it's, like, kind of... Some of these tournaments are... I kind of would say it's harder to watch just because there's less interest in them because of the fact they're not designated events now. But yeah. the other thing is, is majority of the time, who would watch those ones? specifically like that's true that's there no there weren't the ones that you would circle on your calendar that's for sure yeah like the ones you circle on your calendar are uh, the majors the players probably saint jude um memorial wells fargo travelers for us uh rocket mortgage stuff like that yeah i'm actually i'm literally looking at rocket mortgage classic tickets right now just because i was thinking about it I, I'm I'm most likely going to go to the Wednesday practice round. Nice. Hang out with the oh, hang out with the boys from Wilson and um, ha- hang out with Burn Bernard Garson. Mm. Burn. Maybe I'll get to meet Tony Finau. Who knows? Maybe that'd be pretty sick. That would be, that would be sick. Um, so Wells Fargo we'll preview for the time. So this is at Quail Hollow. Um, which was, didn't it host the President's Cup last year? Yeah, Quail Hollow was, and it also hosted, was it 
like PGA and it has hosted many of tournaments. But I'm talking about last year, it's where the President's oh, just, Cup was. Last year? Yes, the President's Cup was at Quill Hall last year. Um, they hosted... I'm pretty confident they hosted the PGA in 2017. But yeah, I remember um, Quail Hollow was for President's Cup because everyone was excited that Max Homa was going to be back at Quail Hollow because he, he... Yeah. Okay, so Quail Hollow has hosted the President's Cup in 2022, the PGA Championship 2017, Wells Fargo 2003, the present, um, the Kepper Open uh, 1969 to 97, um, the World Seniors Invitational uh, 1983 to 989, and then the Greens are Bermuda. Uh, Does that mean, like, so that, um, I think we're looking at the exact same run. You're on the Wikipedia page, right? I am. So it says uh, Green's Champion G12. Does that mean it's running at a 12? Or Yeah, it would be like t- their average is 12 on the stem. Okay. Just and then fairways are Bermuda know. grass. Um... Rory McIlroy with a course record at 61. I didn't, I didn't know that until looking at this. Um... That's big. R seventy one seventy six hundred yards. Um, course rating seventy seven point two. I have no idea what course rating or slope rating means. So the course rating is from each tee box, um, whether it be like the championship tees or the red tees. There's a course rating correspondence. So if you took a scratch golfer and you played mm-hmm. them from that tee box, what would they shoot? Oh, so okay. So from the championship tees, from seven seven thousand six hundred yards, a scratch golfer would shoot seventy seven point two. Okay. And then slope. And slope is just um, it calc- so yardage and slope is what creates the kind of the course rating type thing. Okay. The cool. higher the slope, I, I never, the more. I never knew that. I've I've seen the numbers all over the place and I've known that the higher the number the harder the difficulty but I've never known where it comes from so yeah cool so good, good it, to know it's, it's how you like um so if a scratch golfer was to shoot 77.2 according to my golf Canada me being a 1.6 I would be shooting like 78 that's kind of how it works right. I got the definition of slope rating if, you, if you'd like it. Um, the slope rating of a golf course is a measure of its relative difficulty for a bogey golfer myself compared to a scratch golfer yourself. It is compared. It is used by handicapping systems to equalize the field by accounting for the likelihood that when playing on more difficult courses, higher handicapper players' scores will rise more quickly than their handicaps would otherwise predict. Oh. Okay. So it's all part of. I still don't know what the number means, <laughs> but yeah, that's a. I don't know. It's it's a very storied course. It's, I think that one of the first golf of like tournaments that I actually sat down and really was interested in um, was the PGA Championship in 2017. I remember watching that 
distinctly for some reason. So I must have really liked it. So yeah, I'm excited to watch watch these guys ham and egging around here again. Yeah, um, my favorite holes that par three in the back nine. Is it? I can't remember what um, number it is. Um, the one that's it, over it, water and it's like two ten or something to the middle. I hate. You know what par three I really hate? You just played at Orchard View last weekend, right? No, I did not because it, the tournament got rained out. Oh, that sucks. But um, the par, I think it's 13, 13 or 14. It's like a 215-yard par three with a big tree dead center in front of the green. Oh, yeah. That, that one's whole. That is, that is just horrible course design right there. It's the unnecessary. Orchard View is one of my favorite golf courses because it's the first golf course I played. So it's always got like that, like, I don't know. Nostalgia, and it's the, the first tee shot I always like because it's really elevated. It's really short, so you feel like you've hit the bottom mile on your first tee shot. But there's a couple holes at that course that just get my make my blood boil. Yeah. I've only ever thrown a club once, and it was on that part of three. <laughs> yeah, so that dog leg, um, is it four, where it's like a very sharp dog leg? Hate that one. Mm-hmm. I hate mm-hmm. the par five where it's like it's like th- like almost like three fifty to get to the corner. Yes, and then, yeah, that par five, and then the it's that annoying par five, and then right after is that par three. Yeah, and then like you, then you have like the easiest par five in the course. It's just dead straight. Just hit it straight. Don't put it. In, don't put it on the street. You're yeah. good. It's like the guy who designed the course felt bad and was like, "Here's just this." Yeah, figure it out. Yeah, but that par five that it's a ninety degree dog leg, it's three fifty to the corner, and people would say, "Oh, just cut the corner." No, you can't. There's incredibly tall trees all the way up to the edge of that corner, so you can't hit a lower, a, a lofted enough club to carry those trees, and with the pond on the other side of the trees. Yeah, you have to lay up. Like, and your layup, after you layup, you still have, like, at least 200 yards in. Yeah, it depends on where you, from the corner to the green. Where you can lay up to. Like, if you get to that, mm-hmm. like, if you're on the right-hand side of the fairway, you have a better shot of hitting, like, a 7-iron over the trees, over the pond, and have, like, 100 yards in. But you're not getting mm-hmm. a 6-iron, you're not getting a 5-iron, 4-iron, no. even. Or you won't get a hybrid yeah. or 3-wood to the green. So it's Us in, weekend hacks, hitting a 7-iron, like hitting that shot with 7-iron is almost impossible. Yeah. Like, so. I I would say probably hitting a 7-iron, playing the ball up in your stance, you'll, you'll get a good layup number in, but you're still going to have a pitching wedge in versus yeah. having, like, a, like I had a 30-yard chip, like, pitch shot into a par 5 when I went driver 3-wood and was short. Yeah. Whereas you can go <laughs> driver lay up and then still have more club in than you laid up with thinking of, i was thinking about that course that's what prompted me to write that uh courses being too hard for no reason uh in our, our one of our first episodes podcast notes i wrote that in and i was like, ah, that's a dumb thing to talk about but i don't know it just po- popped up when you yeah. talk, talked about that part of three over over water yeah so like 
with course yeah, design. Yeah, it's number 17 on the back nine. Yes. Quail Hollow. Um, Par 3, 223 yards. Dead over water. Yeah. Uh, Justin Thomas hit a 7-iron onto that green from in the... Um, whatever. Uh, President's Cup. Jeez. But um, it's also slightly downhill too, I believe. Yeah, so it that's plays still like what it is. But it's still like <laughs> regular it's Joe like trying to get there. Sawgrass, but on steroids. Yeah, that's like most, like most, to the average driver for some weekend guy, is like two thirty. So that'd be a tough one for them. Yeah, it would be. Um, I'd spray it right anyways, but... <laughs> yeah. Um, back to your point about courses being hard for no reason. Um, if I if you think about it, um, Roseland, there's a tee box where, from the blacks, there is a tree that cover, like stands in front of, like, the kind of the front left of the tee box. Which hole? Um, it's the one right after the... The one with the dog leg with the church pew bump bunker, so I think it's seven. And then you oh. get the par three, and then you got nine. I need to look at it. I just played those in too. Hold on, I got the yardage book somewhere. Yeah, the yardage book from Noseland. I didn't even know they gave those out. Um, it was for the Toronto Players Tour event last year. This is a. Random plug for Roseland. I don't know. Nobody affiliated to Roseland listens to, listen to this podcast, but they have the single best merch for a golf course that I've ever seen in this area. So this is, this it's, would be six. I know you can't see it, but. Yeah, I can't see it. So on seven, so on seven, it forces you off the tee to hit a cut for lefties, but you need to hit a mm-hmm. draw. For lefties because it brings that front bunker into play because it like you can't it's 272 to carry the bunker on the left oh yeah so on the bunker on the left of the fairway it's 272 to carry it um it's 250 to reach it so you're in me hitting a cut. And, off and look the at key. look at the 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 guarded green is crazy. The green you want to know what green complex I hate on that course. I is it? I I bet you I know exactly which one it is. What what one is it? It is which which hole is that? I think it's at par four. Is it uh, hole three? Yes. With that ridge uh-huh. angle, so yes. Um, day one of Toronto Players Tour event, uh, Rose City Open or whatever it's called, um, the pin was front right on that day. I landed, I landed at pin high on the left side of the green. So I had to go up the hill and come back down, and then I had the comebacker and missed the comebacker. So I three putted because I had to go up the hill and down. I can. I was better off chipping it closer. It's also like it. it if you're hitting 
Yeah, there's no stop on that green. Everything either flies off the back or rolls way short. It's really hard. It's a really hard green for an amateur golfer. Yeah, it's really hard for some um, people to hold. Like, I mean, the tournament we were playing in is a pro tournament. It's Toronto Players Tour. So we yeah, are holding people are going to have no problem holding that. But it's just the how the sm- how small the landing zone is when the pins on either side of the ridge it's very hard to score mm-hmm. on that hole i was actually when i played it the guys that i was playing with um they were saying the same thing they were complaining about the green complex and i i thought it, i had so i pushed my driver up to the the next you know where the next the par three right after where their tee boxes are yeah um so my driver was just like just left of where those were in the rough and i had, I had a great look into the green because the green the, where the pin was i had a lot of green to work with and i had that backstop at the back and so i wasn't even thinking about how like tough the green was to hold because i could just fly it on and then the ridge would catch it if, if i had a little bit too much on it and so i but it would have been the hole would be so much better is if they just extended the dog leg a little bit, extended that landing zone. Yeah, and you could you could come in from the right and you'd have much more of a landing zone onto the green, and you it's because it slopes away from you and it, it angles away. Yeah, the other thing is um, I don't think they have redid like I don't think they've redone the green complexes like since the course opened. Like it's a Donald Ross design. So instead of refurbishing the golf course, everyone's like, Oh my God, it's the only public, um, Donald Ross course. We got to leave it the way Donald Ross left Mm it. Um, just because the high spots and low spots on greens over the course of the time, the low spots get lower and the high spots kind of just slowly get lower. So over the course that, how that green complex is, it wasn't supposed to be that dramatic. Like, look at 18, the green on 18, you have, like, the very back, which is really high, like, a really high tier. Like, I don't know why the tier is that high, and then it's, like, very flat in the front. Yeah, that makes sense. That uh, definitely makes sense. If the course hasn't been touched up in a long time, it's not going it's, to... It's, everyone's complaining about it not being... Donald Ross's original, the changing Donald Ross's original design, but it's not that anymore. It's changed itself just yeah. based off nature. And like they can, they have all the like they have all the dimensions and stuff like that. They can go out there and do like they can redo all the greens and do it the exact same way he did it. It's not, it's not that hard for them to kind of figure it out. Um. But when you said about um, golf course that has the best merch, um, have oh you my seen god, it's so, of, it's so good! Their rope hats in their logo. Have you seen any of Rochester Places merch? I haven't been in the Rochester Places club. I haven't played Rochester Place in a couple of years, like two years. Yeah, Rochester Places is good, good stuff. I got a hoodie. Nice. It's, it's but all the uh, all the dogging on Orchard View and Roseland, they are I, I do still love both those courses. So as yeah, much I'm, as we uh, we're complaining about them, I really love Roseland and Orchard Orchard View is sentimental to myself. So yeah, I will say that Roseland is where I'm doing my Ontario Amateur qualifier. Oh, cool! So June fifth, 
Roseland. Nice. Coming up. That's, that's where I'm going to be. Um, but, like, as much as, like, Roseland bugs me, I would much rather play Roseland in a tournament than Ambassador. Oh, I played Ambassador um, this weekend. That was a mistake. Like, Ambassador is a good course. It's a beautiful course. Beautiful course. Beautiful course. It's long. It's good. Whatever. But I'm sorry to, like, you're going to have, the when the PGA Tour Canada event shows up, it's just going to be a shootout. It's going to be who can go lowest in the front and then who can get to the par five on the back in two. That's that's who's going to win that tournament. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I blew up so hard on the, the seventh hole because the fescue on that course is unbelievable. I'll take being in the trees over being in the fescue any day of the week. I could not get the ball out of there. And then, uh, well, the, their, their greens are very well guarded. And if you end up in one of those bunkers, especially on the day that I played where it was wet, all the bunkers were hard, it was super windy. It was just, it was not a leisurely round of golf, I'll tell you that much. Yeah. And when you're playing that Lynx kind of style of golf, if you're going to miss, you're going to have to miss big. Because if you miss big, then yeah. you're in the other fairway. You still got to look at the green and stuff like that. Whereas if you miss by a small small margin, it goes fairway fescue. That's it. And it's fescues like well, the fa- I swear the fescue was like eight inches deep when I played. Yeah, when, it was, when I, I still carded a ninety six from. I think we're playing one tee back. I still carded ninety six on. It was super windy. It was a little rainy. It was over. It was not a nice day for golf. Hey, then you're playing Lynx golf. That's how it's supposed to be. I, I know, I know. That's why I, I, I felt to the. I said to the guy uh, that I was playing with, I, was like, I feel like I'm playing in Scotland right now. This is this is insane. Yeah. But um. It was a, it was a good day. So we went from talking about um, Quail Hollow to just all the golf courses in our area. Just every golf course in the area that any, only people that golf in this area will know about. Yep. Well, if you watch in, or if you pay attention to PGA Tour Canada, you'd know Ambassador. It's true. Um, it's true. So we got Corey Connors, Mackenzie Hughes in the field uh, for us Canadian, Big Canadian Adam guys. Adwin. Yeah, I saw him earlier. Um, I wish you could sort by Taylor Perth. Uh, can you sort by nationality in this? I have no clue. I'm just looking on Google. Um, if I had to pick a Canadian to win, I'm going to go with Connors because... I was, was going to say Connors as well. Because, unfortunately, Mac hasn't shown anything. Perth has had a kind of a rough year. Um, Connors to... is doing better than I thought this year. He is fifth on the uh, world golf rankings. Who? He's got and he's got one win this year. Corey Connors. Corey Connors. Yeah, he's got one win. We we talked about his win. I know. We, I know. We talked about it. I I have I have the memory of goldfish, but I'm more surprised at his uh, world golf ranking. Hey, someone's got to be the the be, the thirtieth best golf. Someone's in the world. got to be the thirtieth ranked golf in the world. Might as well be Corey Connors. Yeah. Um. 
So what I was I was doing some research. Um, Mike Weir was like highest point in the world golf rankings was ranked three. Hmm. That's pretty solid. And it was like Tiger <clears throat> and Phil in front of him. Yeah, that's. I mean, it's that's a tough. Uh, he was in a tough era to get to number one. Because you just had, you had like every heavy hitter, every legend. I felt I feel like every legend was playing when he was playing. Okay, so are we ready to make our picks for this week? Since we have, I'm ready. I haven't week. picked out. You yeah, can... we have barely talked about this week. Okay, so you won last week. So who's your first pick? My first pick, I'm going to change it up from what I have written down, and I'm going to take. I'm, it's weird to say that this is a risk. I'm going to take uh, Rory. Well, because we remember what happened and, last time someone picked Rory, right? Yes, I do remember what happened last time someone picked Rory. Uh, but he's had some time off. He's uh, recuperated. He he's ready to go, and he has the course record at Quail Hollow. So if anything. He's going to go low, right? Potentially. So that's your top 10. That's um, my top. That's my heavy hitter. (sighs) Hey, Spieth is up in the top 10 now. Yes, sir. I actually, I have, I have Jordan Spieth picked on my notes, but after seeing, I was picking between Jordan Spieth and Rory, but after seeing um, Rory held the course record, in terms of going low, I figured I'd pick uh, Rory because Jordan is known to shit the bed every once in a while. Yes. Um, I just want to make sure I'm making the right decision, so we're going to look up the Wells Fargo from last year. Yeah, I'm going to go Max Homa. Max? Max, he has a good history at Quail Hollow, does he not? Yes, he does. So, yeah, that's a, good, that's a really good pick. Yeah, he's, uh, what, seventh in the world right now? Yes, Matt, he's, I love Max. He's got to be, he's up there in my top favorite golfers, purely because he's he's the people's golfer, I think. Like Joel Damon, how, how do you say it? Joel Damon? Joel Damon? Joel Damon. Joel Damon. He's 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 the people's golfer, but Max Homa is like the social media people's golfer. I think it's kind of like um, the Rock is the people's champ, you know? Yeah. 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 Um, how would you say Johnny Damon's name if you like looked it up? Would you say Johnny like? Dalman? Johnny who? Johnny Damon. You know, he played baseball a while ago. Uh, not a baseball guy. Because I believe it's spelled the same way. Johnny... No. Joel, uh, Joel's name is like D-H. There's an H in there. and It's D-H-A-M-E-N, I think. It is... D a h m e n. A h. Dahmen. Hamen. Dahmen. Dahmen. I don't think you say the h. Dahmen. Dahmen. Damon. 
I'm just gonna go with Dominic. I'm just concrete right now, Joel Dominic. Done. Hold Until on, he me. personally corrects me, it's Joel Dominic. I'm gonna I'm gonna YouTube this. Have him pronouncing his own name. Okay. While you do that, I'm going to um, lock in my uh, middle pick. Not my underdog, but my middle pick is going to be uh, Jason Day. Hmm. He's had good history at Quail Hollow with uh, the President's Cup, and he's he's just. I've got a feeling for my guy. I read a lot. A lot of articles have him picked to win, but I don't have him picked to win. I think I think either Jordan Spieth or Rory McIlroy is going to do it. Uh, but yeah, Jason Day is going to be. He's gonna go low this weekend for sure. Okay. Um, okay, we're trying. I'm trying to. F- hey, hold on. Wait. Seven challenge. Taylor, I'm Joel Damon. This is a Joel Damon. Is it Damon? Hey there, I'm Nick Taylor. I'm Joel Damon. This is a. It's it's I. It's Joel Damon. That's how he says it. Okay. All right, Damon. Done. You're you're gonna hear it twice on the podcast if you if you rewatch it or listen to it you're gonna hear it twice because I had to like okay. listen to it again. Uh, so Justin Thomas is at fifteen. Good pick. Uh, I'm gonna go with my boy JT. JT is never. JT has never been a bad pick. No, it's just he. He likes. He has a thing for winning the PGA Championship, and that's it. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't don't pick him to win, but just pick him to do good. Yeah. Um, for my sleeper underdog guy, we have to go with Cam Davis, another Australian. He's uh, T to green, T12 in par 5 scoring, 31st strokes gained, uh, two top 10s in his last three stroke play competitions, and he finished T26 in last Wells Fargo. So, pretty good. He did lose at the President's Cup last year there, but he's going to get his redemption this year. a lot of dead air yeah i'm trying i'm trying to think i'm thinking uh think hard you can cut cut all the the, the thinking out i'm thinking because there's like joel damon there's tagala tagala is so like what what is he in the world right now is he too high no as long as he's not in the top but he's he's in the top 50 for sure yeah he's 24 yeah i are we doing outside top 50? Is that what we're doing? I think for our, like, sleeper guys, I think outside of top 50. Okay. Because, well, I mean, if they're inside the top 50, they're not a sleeper. I'm, check- I'm checking to make sure that Cam Davis isn't inside the top 50. Cool, he's 68. 
<laughs> Phil Nicholson is 73rd in the world. Dustin Johnson is 78th. They're just falling, those live guys. Gone. They're falling and falling hard. Um, There's 8,522. Who is the last ranked, world golf ranked person? Me. Can I see him in the field? Who? Oh, no. I, I, never mind. I thought I saw Higgs, but Higgs is not in the field. It was Hogs. Harry? Um, I'm going to go Joel Damon. This question about Joel, you got it. You have, remember when I got picked him and he did pretty good? Didn't hurt. He shot like one under or something? Yeah, he shot one under and missed the cut. <laughs> Yeah, but one under doesn't hurt. Did you see him at the um, uh, Pro Pebble Beach Pro Am this year, or did you hear what he said? I did not. So he hit a bad shot, and he asks his caddy, "So what's the cut?" <laughs> That's really good. Oh, I love that guy so much. It oh, is. A case of he's basically the average golfer just on the PGA Tour. Yeah, he just he's just one of us that just made it. That's that's all he is. He's he's got the mental state of every Sunday afternoon golfer. I think him and Kevin Kisner are in the same boat. Yeah, they're just um, average guys like us that just got really good at golf. Hey, I have a good mindset on the golf course. Yes. Um, but, like right now, I'm playing well. I'm just not scoring well, if that makes oh, any sense. That's to a you. good way to look at it. So, like, I'm hitting the yeah. ball well. I'm rolling good putts. I'm not making too many bad mistakes or bad decisions. I'm just not scoring. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Like... I had the one that I showed you carded uh, 71, but, like, I made a bogey, and then I had two birdies in the back nine. Like, I scored on two holes, and I made one bad decision. Or it wasn't even a bad decision. I lipped out. What's your lowest round? Uh, 64. That's nuts. That's, My lowest round is an 88. It was also from, uh, like, further up T-Box because of the age group I was playing in was further ah, up in the T-Box. So, like, it's not from, like, a championship distance. It was, like, at, like, 53 or something. It was, like, really short. But it's still, um... Still counts. Yeah, still counts. Yeah, okay, so thing, speaking of things still counting, everybody argues about uh, the hole-in-one, like, asterisks next to it. So I want to get your – I know I have my opinions on it, and then we can talk about them, but I want your opinions first on the asterisk. So I saw one 
this past week where this guy got a hole in one in a uh, large cup tournament. So it's when they just cut the cup larger. What do you do? You think that even counts as a hole in one, or is just a hole in one with an asterisk, asterisk next to it? It doesn't matter how big the cup is; it's still like very lucky and very hard to do. Exactly. I also agree. A bunch of people were saying, "Nope, it's not a hole in one, big cup, whatever." Like, like you're rolling it by within an extra inch every time. Like, no, that counts. You just have to sit, say, "I have a hole in one. It was in a big cup tournament." But I still put it in. Like that's still incredibly impressive. Did you card a one on the scorecard? Hole in one. Hole in one. What about hole in ones in like oh, there's this one scenario. What is it? On a par three course? It's still a hole in one. What about hole in one after like routine? Like well, you hit that's that's three off the T. It's three off the T. But do you get to tell that it's not a hole in one, but do you get to tell people you've had a hole in one? It's just this happened, or do you always have to say, "Yeah, I almost had a hole in one, but it was under these circumstances." I have a friend. He he teed the ball up, put it in the water on nine at Kingsville on white. Okay, re tee from the tee, holes out for par. I turned and looked at him, and I was like, that's a great par. Oh, you asshole. (laughs) (laughs) You asshole. Oh, man. That's got to be the worst thing to happen to a golfer, is to have a hole-in-one count as a par. Well, it's not a hole-in-one, though. It's your second shot on the hole. To hit a shot from the tee box and put it in the cup and have it count as a three. Yes. That's got to be a little worse. I mean, you could be me and have had, um, went eagle, hole in one, birdie, and then go double, triple to finish the round. You've had a hole in one? I have. Nice. Seven lakes. Um, 15. That does suck the aftermath of that. Yeah, so I went eagle on 14 on the par 5. Then I went eagle again for the par 3. Then I went mm-hmm. birdie on the par 4 right after. That stretch of holes was like the best stretch of holes I've ever played in my life. And then I went yeah. double, triple to finish. Oof. Oof. You just... So you went, you went eagle, that's 3. Uh, no, eagle, that's 2. 2 under? I know. I, 4 under. Nah. <laughs> 2 under? 2 under? You're, you just erased it. You just completely erased it. That yep. sucks. Yep. Um, speaking of rules, this is a good segue into the 10 rules we choose to ignore in everyday golf. Yeah, it would be. It would be so, a great thing. And then we can get back to the um, other stories in golf because there was something that I saw today that I just want to mention. And he probably won't okay. even listen to the podcast, but, you know, I just want to say congratulations to him. So we'll, we'll do that after. Okay. All right. Well, yeah, we'll get that going. All right. Okay. Do you want do you want to start them or do you want me to start them? Uh, whatever. Um, I got them loaded up here on the web, the website with the explanations under. Me too. We're we're th- okay. We're, great minds think alike. We'll alternate off. You start with one, and then I'll okay. go two. So, three minute lost ball rule. So 
as like the the real state, um, you have three minutes to find your lost or ball or it's deemed lost. Uh, three minutes doesn't start until you get to where you perceive your ball to be. So say if I hit the ball, we could think it could be lost. You, I could let you walk up there and start looking for it, but it doesn't start until I get up there. Mm-hmm. But oftentimes, um, there's players that uh, look for either it too long, everyday golfers, or there's the, the one-minute guy. If he can't find his ball in a minute and say, screw it. I, more often than not, fall into the one-minute guy rule. Because... I I just hate slow play, and I hate feeling like I'm holding everybody up. If I can't find it, like I'll walk up, I'll look around, I'll probably hit three minutes of looking, and then I I don't care. I didn't know it was a rule until I read this list, but after a certain amount of time, it's like okay, there we got we got golf to play here. We can't sit here and look for the ball the entire time. Yeah, um. I'm very bad at finding golf balls, so I'll look for three minutes to find the golf ball because I know where it lands. It's just I'm have terrible eyesight. You just can't find it. When it gets out there, it's like okay, I, I can kind of see it land, and then I'm like, okay, where's the general direction of it? Because I know just it gets yeah. to the point where I can't see. But this is also a rule that um, it kind of comes back to like if we're having fun. Where it's like, what rules do we break on a normal basis? There's a lot of times yeah. where it's like the three-minute lost ball rule. It We either play stroke and distance where we perceive it went out. So we don't have to go back to the T and re Yeah. Or it's, we call it the gallery rule. So if you're on the PGA Tour, would the gallery find the golf ball? Oh, that's, yeah. That's a really good rule. Yeah. If 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 you're on the tour and the gallery could find a golf ball, drop it, no penalty. That's I'm that's my that's up here now. That's my new I'm gonna play that. I'm gonna shoot seventy six. <laughs> that's but that's fair though, because in any like real tournament they at least have four caddies. They're gonna be up there to steer ball, ball land. Some like unless you like visibly sprayed it into the rules or the rules, the woods. You're like yeah, that's gone. That's a penalty, obviously. But if it's up, kind of like left rough, you don't know if it went in or went out. I'd say yeah, that's I, I like that rule. Yeah. Okay, you're up next. So the this kind of also plays into your um, gallery rule. This is the, the way I think about. It's kind of similar. Is he called the Anderson Leaf Rule? So the explanation is, especially in fall golf, if you lose your ball in the leaves, no penalty. Just drop one where you think it should be. You can't tie, but can't win the hole. Named after the esteemed Dave Anderson in the late New York Times sports columnist who had a great waggle. I don't understand that last part. But I, I 100%, have, especially since last year, have played by the leaf rule. Yes, fall golf is a pain in the ass. Oh, my God, it sucks. You hit a good drive, it leaks a little bit to, to the uh, the rough, and it's just underneath an, a, a million leaves. There's no way you're finding that ball. Yeah, especially at Kingsville where you have a ton of a ton of trees. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, Anderson Leaf rule. I've definitely played by it. 
I still do play by it, and it's saved me one one many times. This is the rule that you want to be in um, in play when you're hitting three from the tee on a par three. The mulligan. Yes. Uh, it was invented on the first tee of wing foot by a member named Mulligan. Uh, always required a second drive uh, to find the fairway, so a breakfast ball, basically. And it's mm-hmm. spread as common practice now. I t- do... I don't use my mulligans unless someone says oh you can hit another one yeah like I, I don't i don't hit a mulligan okay no 90 percent of the time i'm just playing casual golf unless someone i if i hit a ball and it's just awful unless the person i'm playing with goes oh don't worry about that one hit another one i'm 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 gonna live with my shot yeah like i i don't necessarily like when i'm playing like practicing or whatnot i don't necessarily hit mulligans like if i was to hit another ball i would hit that ball and then go play the ball that i hit first i agree yeah um so it would be like if i'm playing by myself or i'm playing in a twosome with someone and i like i don't know i just overhook a wedge into a green in my trap hook it if i have a wedge in my hand i shouldn't miss the green so then I'll drop another ball and hit another wedge to actually do what I wanted to do. Then I'll go play my ball, make up and down, move on to the next hole type thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think we both have the same stance in the mulligans. It's kind of like they don't really – if you have one, it it doesn't really count. You always got to play your first ball unless someone's just like, just play the other ball or whatever. Yes. Um, this is my favorite rule. Okay. Right here. The next one. All right. Failing to post. No. No, the gimme. The gimme. Oh, I, I went too far. You I went, went to five. I went to five. Round four. The gimme. Legal and match play, but widely applied in stroke play club tournaments. What starts as no gimmies in the first few holes becomes inside the leather by the turn. And three and four footers when you shot yourself out of it. The guy I know as Pele goes immediately to stage three. <laughs> yep. I, I, I love a good old gimme. Um, there, there's just no better feeling than walking up to a little bit of a grinder. You got a little bit of a putt. You got to, you got to, it's going to take a little bit of work. And someone goes, ah, just pick it up. My no better favorite feeling is that. I'm off the green. I'm, I'm trying to make up and down. And I hit a good chip shot, a good pitch shot, or whatever. And the playing playing partner, whoever is with, is like the ball stops and he just hits it back right to you. That's the best feeling. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Um, oh. I also play a lot of match play. So when going out with friends and playing with friends, I tend match plays tend to be what I play. I don't really play like stroke play against people because I'm going to play stroke play in a tournament and I would kind of mm-hmm. want some more where like risk or reward type scenarios and um, match play. Like if you were not able to go out and play match play was a lot more fun for the both of us because I can be, I can quadruple bogey a hole that you parred, but I've still only down one. Yeah. And you can bogey the, a hole that I got a lucky par on and then we're tied again. It's it just it's 
a bit of an equalizer in uh, the world of golf. Yeah, and like the other thing with um, match play, match play you're not trying to keep a round together type thing, so if you make a double, like you said, it's just not going to kill you, but you can also be very aggressive, and then taking mm -hmm. how aggressive you were in match play and then kind of toning back a little bit for stroke play, you'll start shooting better. Yeah. Um, yeah. Although if I'm playing someone for money, oh, pardon. Like, I if I'm playing someone for money, I will only give a gimme if it's like a kick in. I will, I will give gimmies if we have a similar distance for par. Yeah. Or like they have proven to me that they can make that putt type thing. Yeah. Or if it's like you said, uh, uh, you're off the green, you you chip it to like a foot, hundred percent it's a gimme. Like yeah, okay, continue. I just wanted to put that out there. Yeah, number five, um, failing to post. It's not a rule of golf, but if you have a handicap, you're expected to, ex expected to post every score uh, to maintain an accurate ha handicap. Various players only post their lowest scores, and sandbaggers will only post the high ones. Mm -hmm. I obviously, I think you should post every handicap. I don't have a handicap personally, so I don't. This rule doesn't really apply to me, but I, I, I yeah. don't post every score. You don't? No, because, like I said, sometimes you're playing um, match play. Okay. Well, yeah. If I'm playing match That's play. Fair. And I, I'm not going to go out and shoot, like, uh, 75 because I'm going to have a double in there. I'm going to have stuff in there because I'm going out to shoot and try yeah, to be aggressive and win holes. Yeah. So I don't put those in. When I play nine holes, I tend to not put them in because it's only nine holes. And for, for the USGA, they combine two nine-hole scores, whereas I believe for... Um, Golf Canada, it's the same, but I would rather mm -hmm. have a full 18 in there than two nines because they can combine um, two nine holes. If I shoot, like, let's say if I shoot a 40 and then I shoot uh, 39, they'll combine those two to make it 18, and then it's like, okay, I shot um, 79. Yeah. Whereas I can go out the next day and play another nine holes and shoot two under. Um, 30, 34, and then have another nine where it's something else, and then it's kind of where it would be. Um, mm -hmm. So majority of my nine-hole stuff I don't put in there. Tournaments I put in there. Uh, 18 holes I'll put in. Uh, just kind of depends on what is happening. Because like sometimes I go in the golf course and I'm playing 18 holes, but my I'm not trying to score, I'm not trying to shoot, I'm just trying to work on something in general. Yeah. Whether it's like making sure I'm hitting um, good putts. If I'm like sometimes I'm going out on the course to practice and not necessarily play. Yeah. And so it depends on the situation, I guess. That I that's fair. I get on board with that. All right, number six, carrying more than 14 clubs. Uh, I think four-stroke penalty, it says there, for carrying more than 14 clubs. 
I don't even think I carry 14. I think I only have 13. 1, 2, 3, 4. Oh, I'm missing something here. No. Hold on. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. I only have 13 clubs. I have 15 so, in my bag right now. Whoa! What's the extra club? Uh, a different 60 degree. Oh, okay. That's fine. It's... So, at one point this offseason, before I went to Florida and left a 60 there, I had three 60s in my bag for uh, 16 clubs. So, on the 60 degree wedges, or just wedges in general, they have the different bounce and grinds on them, right? Mm -hmm. So, I have a 12 degree bounce uh, degrind wedge from the Zavoki SM9. So, that's when it's wet and lush and thick okay basically i mm. had a 10 degrees of bounce for when it was a little bit firmer out when the rough starts to get um kind of burnt out and dry because it's firmer less bounce because you're not going to bounce into it and then i have the eight degrees of bounce wedge in there too because when i am when it gets very firm I, I use the 8 degree over the other ones. Um, so it's just because I have different uses for each different wedge. That's why I had three. I'm probably going to get a third one at the 10 degrees of bounce. Just because depending on... It, you go up to Toronto, some courses are a little bit spongier. So the spongier courses, you need less bounce because the more bounce is just going to like not dig, it's going to bounce because it's spongy whereas here it's thick and lush where you if you have a sharper leading edge you're just going to dig in so mm -hmm. depending on the course you need different wedges um if you look at any of the guys on the pga tour when they go to different golf courses they have like four or five different 60 degrees that they're working with seeing if it works interesting so i don't know i didn't like i knew that there was like the bounce on all that stuff with the club but i didn't know um that it was changed that often. Yeah. Like, cool. on the PGA Tour, when they go over to the UK for, like, the Scottish Open and the Open, majority of them will have, like, a four degrees of bounce uh, wedge because just of how burnt out it is. Yeah. Um, Bermuda, they'll tend to have, like, eight degrees of bounce-ish. Um... When you're getting into that, like, North Carolina, kind of north, like, coming up into the northern United States, you'll start getting them having, uh, like, that 10 degrees of bounce. And then when they come up here for the, the Canadian Open, they'll have, like, their, their, like, 12, 14, whatever it works. But they mm -hmm. kind of, depending on the grass and the condition of the course, they have these four different 60 degrees that they will interchange depending on what is needed um the other thing is is some courses they will need a different 60 degree just because of the bunkers and not even the fairway so gotcha yeah gotcha all right you're number seven the consultant uh <laughs> what you hit <laughs> Uh, I'm guilty of this. Some guys take surveys 
on making club selections on par threes. Um, a good way to get around this in tournament play and stuff like that when you have chill guys is asking them how many donuts you had for breakfast. Huh. Yeah. That's fine. How many donuts you have for breakfast and then they tell you like if they have seven, they say seven donuts. Yeah. That's pretty cool because I'm assuming you obviously can't ask that on T. You can't. So you can only ask playing opponents like for common knowledge. So yardage is considered common knowledge. So if someone zaps it, they'll be like, they can be like, oh yeah, it's this far. Yeah. Um, you can't go into somebody's bag to look what they're hitting. So you can't like look at their bag and be like, oh, he's hitting an eight iron. Let's see. Okay. Um. And you can't ask them. But the, the one thing that doesn't make any sense in this, and, like, why are you asking someone is, each 7-iron is different. Yeah, yeah. Each of you have different um, swing speeds. Each of you have different ball flights. Each of you have different spin rates. Each of you have diff- different distances in general. So, like, me hitting a 7-iron, like, what's your 180 club? My 180 club would probably be, like, a 6 yeah, I'd carry my 7-iron 180. Yeah. So if I tell you, oh, yeah, I hit 7-iron, and then you hit 7-iron, you're going to be, like, 10 yards short-ish. Yeah. So it, may, so it makes no benefit. Sometimes I do ask, like, if someone hits a good shot, I'll ask what club they hit just to get a a gauge of what kind of player they are. Like, if someone smokes a... a wedge out of the fairway i'm like what what wedge was that and they'll be like i don't know, gap wedge or 56 or something and then i'll be like oh i think they they hit the ball a mile or you got good control or stuff I, I i like knowing what what type of golfer they are based on what, what club they're hitting yeah that 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 makes sense because like because i i never use it to gauge what i'm gonna hit what i'm gonna hit because i that then that messes with my psychological process of picking my club before I even walk up to the, the my ball. Yeah. So, yeah. It's more so seen on par threes. Like, there is one time we were playing men's league, and I was I had honors for the ninth par three, and it was kind of like into wind downhill. So I hit, like, I hit nine iron, when I probably should have mm-hmm. hit eight iron because of that's how much it was in the wind. And I hit it. And they were like, they asked me what club I hit, and I was like, I hit a nine. Like, I already clubbed up, so club up two, because we're all mm-hmm. on the same men's league team, so we're not going to call each other on the yeah. rule. So they, um, yeah. they clubbed up and hit the green, so I was the dummy, basically. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Okay, number eight, in the interest of public safety or otherwise known as the foot wedge. Moving your ball from a tree root or even a tree trunk without penalty might be a sensible rule. Oh, God. I always yawn when I read. <sighs> Let's try that one over. Eight in the public of... In- oh, Jesus. <laughs> Number eight in the interest of public safety. Moving your ball from a tree root or even a tree trunk without penalty might be a sensible rule. Same with cleaning mud off your ball in the fairway. If you remove a loose impediment and your ball moves, disregard the penalty. Dropping incorrectly on the golf hole side of the paved cart path instead of the actual nearest point of relief is acceptable. 
so as taking relief from removal objects like irrigation boxes as metal interference, as well as disregarding difference between red and yellow stakes and taking the more favorable drop from water hazards as if they are all lateral. I do that, do this all the time. I do too. I always say, we're not, I'm not playing for money. I'm not playing out here to get hurt or hit a ball off a tree and hit myself or like it's just give her, you're out there to have a good time. Give yourself the best opportunity to have a good time. So, like I said, um, there's a lot of times where stroke and distance comes into play. So if it's like um, white stakes versus red stakes, stroke and distance, like we're not going back to the tee. Um, mm-hmm. If I'm if my ball's literally sitting on a tree root, I'm not hitting the ball on top of the tree root. I no. PTSD, hurt wrists. We're not doing that. In a tournament, yeah. I will have to do it, but like. In an everyday round, I'm not risking getting hurt no. doing that. Um, That'll be dumb. So, yeah. I mean, the majority of the time you've mentioned our. You don't even measure two club lengths. You, you kind of just. No, you just. I, I, I take a ball out of my bag, I throw it up in the air, and then it goes thunk, 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 and then wherever it lands is where I hit. That's just that's pretty much how I do it. All right, nine. Drop you mentioned from the this. Knee? No, I don't. I I just toss the ball wherever the ball lands. Ball lands. Stroke and distance on out of bounds. It's legal now um, for the local rules to be. Uh, um, it, lo- local rule is observed. Woof. <laughs> I I'm just like we both just had strokes on our, the last ones we had to read. Uh, we've been doing this for years. Uh, only hitting the fourth stroke, um, pals look at OB and water hazards, uh, drop and hit three. It saves us going back to the tee in slow play. I have always done that. It's I've always what done. we talked about where it's like white stakes versus yeah. red stakes. Like, um... If you go into the water, so if you go into the water hazard off the tee, you have, like, you can re-tee, you can go point of entry, or, uh, point of entry, or lateral, I believe, not lateral, um, in line with the pin, so you have the, it's like the line that it crossed, so the point of entry, and then the line with the pin is the, from the point of entry where it crosses the line of the pin, you can go back on that line too. But, um, yeah, stroke and distance. Like, yeah. even OB. Um, like, there's been tournaments where I played in, and it was like any untamed grass is considered um, OB. And you don't have to hit it over there, stroke and distance. Hmm. So it, that was like the local rule for the golf course. Um, yeah. And untamed just me- meant like they didn't cut it. So like your fescue at um, Ambassador there, Ambassador. that would have been untamed grass and that would have been um, st- stroke and distance. Yeah, interesting. Yep. All right, number 10. Teeing off in front of the markers. My second favorite rule, I don't know if I need to read this. It's a bunch of blech. 
But you mean this is up against the, the markers, rules? You can't tee up in front of the tee markers? You don't tee up in front of the tee. I, I won't call someone on it, but like it's not it's common sense. Tee up behind the tee markers. The, the one thing that bugs me is when I, I like line up and tee up the, like, put my ball in line with the tee box on the left, like the tee mark on the left, and then I get ready and I look at the tee box on the right, the tee marker on the right, and then and it's, it's like I'm in front of the ball. Yeah. It's like yeah, I'm no, in line with it here, worse. but I'm not in line with it there. It's like, well, can you do it straight, yeah, please? What's going on here? Yeah, that's the worst when you walk, when you walk up. When I first started golfing, I would always – just I'd go to where the T markers were, and then I would line up so that my shot would go perpendicular to them. But a lot of times the T markers weren't aimed down the middle of the fairway; they were aimed way off somewhere else. So I'd hit a, hit a good shot, and then why did that go so far the other way? And my, the person I, I was playing with would go, "Well, I mean, the T markers are just pointed that way, so you kind of just line up the T markers." Like, oh, I guess that makes sense. <laughs> Um, there is another rule where you you can't tee off a meter back. You only like you have from the tee markers to like a meter back of the tee markers. Uh, is that right? It's like two club lengths. Okay, but still, you can't tee, you can't like tee off all the way back. No, but why would I don't you? know why you'd want to? But I mean, if you have to get the ball up and over a tree, so like on. If the T boxes, if the T blocks are like on one red at Kingsville, if the T box is up on that platform there, it's harder to get the ball over to the trees. So that's mm. why that's a hole where you would tee it back because you got to get it up the hill and over the tree kind of to get in a good position. Sure. Okay. Well, that's it. That's it for those uh, the ten rules. That was that was fun. I, I learned a lot. Yeah, I, I put another one in there for next week. So we got, um, it's like the seven sins of slow play. Ah, uh, yes. It just should be Cantley's name over and over and over again. Cantley, DeChambeau, Cantley, DeChambeau. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, okay, so a little bit back now to golf now. Um, Brooks Kepka, congratulations, man. He's having a baby. They announced oh, it wow. today. Oh, wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, they announced it today. Congratulations, Brooks Kepka. I'm never going to hear this, but congratulations to him anyways. They didn't win the Masters, but... I mean, mm. he did win the dating pool. Have you seen his wife? Yeah. I'm not going to say you dog, because, like, it's as expected. Yeah, it's expected for Kepka. It's not like your face is destroyed and you need braces fairly badly. Your face is destroyed. Uh, but you yeah. know what? Yeah. So yeah. Kepka's having a baby. Yeah. Congrats, um, Kepka. Yeah. And then another story inside the golf world. Um, Monday is match play qualifier for myself. Um, That's exciting. Yeah, I don't get a practice round because apparently they're not doing practice rounds for this. So I'm going in blind to this golf course pretty much. Um, That's less exciting. Yeah, I, I, uh, I have like I have my yardage book that I kind of have come up with a game plan just based on like Google Maps view and kind of what the 
yardage book is showing me um mm -hmm. what the game plan would be like hitting off the tee and stuff um so yeah so that we got that and then on tuesday i'm playing the cherry hill whatever it's called it doesn't really have a name it's just um the cherry hill tournament i think it's actually golf away tours tournament um gta where is it five days 10 hours and 52 minutes till i'm playing cherry hill exciting stuff yes oh apparently i'm trying to join the tour i'm not trying to join the tour i'm already playing on the tour um, <laughs> there you go events that's where i'm looking for schedule uh, so it's the Golf Away Tours Championship. That's what it's called. Cool. At Cherry Hill. That sounds pretty cool. Yep. Nice. So Golf Exciting. Away Tours is like a travel agency. In uh, other news for us, before we wrap it up here, I think we're coming to an end. Um, I'm going to be starting a new series on our TikTok. I'm sure you've seen, if you're watching it on YouTube, you've seen me. I keep fiddling with this uh, putter here. I got this beauty ping answer three. I don't know, you probably can't read it. Um, yeah, I put it up a little off bit. Of, off of market. Oh, Jesus. I'm hitting the move. Off of marketplace for 10 bucks. That's a like, pretty phenomenal steal. And I'm going to be fixing it up. You know, refurbishing it. I might sell it. I might keep it, depending on if I how much I like it. But this thing's going to be... You'll be able to brush your teeth in the bottom of this thing by the time I'm done with it. So, look for that on TikTok. I might make a full YouTube video out of it. I'm not sure yet, but that's what's coming up with, uh, with myself, at least. Um, we're playing Saturday morning. Um... We are playing Saturday. Our first time... This We've done five hour and a half episodes of the podcast together. This will be our first time meeting. <laughs> it's kind of impressive. Yeah. Um, it is yeah, a little bit. So we, we're playing 18 uh, Saturday morning. Um, if we end up not having any other members in the group with us, then I might just say, hey, we're bringing out the camera for the back nine. We can yeah, see how it camera goes. for, yeah. Or just a hole, like one hole. Yeah. Well, if we can do That'd a whole back nine video, we can do a back nine, like, um, I don't know, um, scramble or something, something cool for the, yeah. the, uh, page. So if we record a video, you'll, the podcast channel will get a, another video that is not a podcast. Mm -hmm. It'll be a, some sort of video. Or end up on TikTok, dude. Yeah, a, a scramble would be fun. Yeah, we're going off of red, so that means we're playing white. So white would be a fun scramble nine. That would be cool. So, That'd be a lot of fun. Do you get right, well, a unpopular golf opinion that we are going to Oh, yeah. I almost, that's my favorite part of this whole fucking thing. I almost forgot about it. Yeah. Come on, man. I'm off, I'm off my game today. You're off the game. You're too worried about your ping answer. I'm, I'm too excited. I'm that's literally it. I'm too excited to fix this club up because it's beautiful. Like so, I got it. I saw it on marketplace. I had been scrolling, scrolling, and I just re refreshed, 
and I saw it, and I like ping. I don't have any ping club. This is my first ping club that I've owned, and um, I like. I don't know. I like the ping. I don't. Know, I like the ping vibe or whatever. But I, I really like old clubs. I like the vintage style. I I like that era of golf. And I saw it. It was ten dollars, and I just had to. I had to buy it. I went and I left. I didn't leave work immediately, but I left work that day. Drove right to the guy's house, picked it up, and uh, I'm, I just can't wait to get my hands on some polish, get this thing all shined up, get the grip back in order. I gotta get there's a little rattle inside it that I gotta take out, so I gotta take the head off. It's gonna be a whole thing. I'm I, I can't stop thinking about it. I'm so pumped for it. I'm excited to see how it looks. It's gonna I... be you. On Saturday, it's not going to look that great. It's just going to have the rattle gone. But by the time you see it the next weekend or the next time we play, it's going to be so beautiful because I'm going to spend a whole week polishing it. If you need a putter grip, I know someone that's got some putter grips for you. So the cool thing about this is it still has, um, I think this is the original Golf Pride Tour Wrap on it from when it came out. I'm not. I, I got. I got to verify if it's the original or not because it doesn't have ping on it, but it is an old tour wrap. But if it's not the original, I'm just going to get a new grip on it. But if it is, it's got to stay. Has to stay. If it's not the original grip, I have a Garson Quad Tour pistol that you can put on there, and you can join the Garson gang. Sure, I'll join the Garson gang. If if it's not the original, I gotta I gotta do a little bit of digging to find the original grip. Yes. Okay, unpopular golf opinion. This one, okay, I found one. This one, I kind of <laughs> perked my eyes. The U.S. Open should never be played on a private course. Go. I'm looking at the one right now. Yes. I kind of agree. What about the U.S. Open at Wingfoot? Oh, I disagree. <laughs> so, Wingfoot's such a fun course to watch. The problem is, is there's so many good golf courses in america that are private mm -hmm. okay whereas like you go overseas to england there's a lot of like the pri like the there's private clubs but then there's also a lot of semi-private so mm -hmm. it's still public play it's stuff like that whereas like kind of in the states it's public or private that's it mm -hmm. yeah like i mean no, I Especially oh, those tour touristy destinations where a U.S. Open would be held. It's usually public or private. That's it. Um, I'm guessing in middle America where there's not a lot of stuff, there's some, some semi-private. Some places have memberships, but it's not the same as, like, um, whatnot. So I would say I don't think it matters. It's the U.S. Championship. Um mm -hmm. It's got to be played on one of the best golf courses in the U.S. Um, so the fact that there's so many of these amazing golf courses that are private golf courses, and they just kind of have to happen. Like Country Cl Club of Brookline, great golf course, private. Um, Olympic Club, private. Then you got um, next year, the U.S. Opens at... Pinehurst, that's um, public. You got Pebble Beach is public. Um, honestly, they should probably play at Spyglass Hill. Spyglass Hill is public, but you know. I I only think that it should be only on public courses, just because it is is the open. 
like it's the the whole concept behind it is that everybody should be able to play it or have a chance to play in it yeah and so it, having it on those private courses especially maybe the u.s open itself not needing to be on a private course like the u.s open itself can be played on a private course but the the amateurs like the to qualify and stuff to get in shouldn't be played on private course because then it it offers an upper hand to the people who are members and But majority of the people going to qualify for the U.S. Open, usually they have some pull somewhere and they can get on the course beforehand. Yeah. That's like, fair. You don't think Joel Damon could call up anyone, uh, any of the local regional qualifiers, and be like, "Hey, I want to come for a practice round." And they'll be sure. Come on, come on. Um, yeah, but that's Joel. Joel Damon. We, we landed on Damon, right? Yeah, I, I said Joel Damon because he's the seventieth best golfer in the world. Why can't it be him? Um, yeah, but like, but what about like your Joe Blow that has no pull? He's that. Does he know? Does he have a swing coach? Maybe. He probably does because he's at least a two handicap. Because you have to, or no, you have to be under a one point eight handicap to register for the U.S. Open qualifiers. Yeah, he probably does have a swing coach. So he probably does have a swing coach. Swing coach is probably under the PGA. That that swing coach has pull. He can call and be like, "Hey, I have a student coming. Can we get him on for a practice round?" Majority of the time, they'll say yes. That's fair. I don't. Know, I still think it it just the open. It just kind of defeats the purpose of it being called the open. If if, it, if if that's the case, then it should be called like the U.S. Championship or something. Well, just it, get rid it, of the open. It is the U.S. Championship. Yeah, but the, it, it the is open... the USGA Championship, and it's just called the US Open. But then they, they should call it, just call it the USGA Championship instead of Open, because if it's Open, then it's I don't know. I, I I definitely see what you're saying, and I agree with what you're saying. But part of me just feels like the Open should be like there should be no private part about it. I mean, I don't know. That, that again. That's why what it's unpopular opinions. Yeah, I, 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 I like. The other thing is, is I. I don't know if the public golf courses, unless you're talking um, Beth Page Black. I don't know. Really, like those, you have a handful of those public courses that would have the facilities to put on a good golf tournament. Mm -hmm. So you got like That's those resort courses, which really the resort courses are kind of private because the only way you can get a tee time is almost if you're on the resort. So you got Bandon, you got Pinehurst, and you got Pebble Beach. Those three, the only real real opportunity to get a tee time is pretty much if you're at the resort. So then that kind of privatizes mm -hmm. it too. Um, a little bit. But, yeah, I, it makes sense that um, it's the open, should be open to all type thing. Yeah. But, again, it's done popular opinions. So you get the, you get both sides of the, both sides of the spectrum there. Yeah, this is the first time I think we've disagreed on the non-popular I think so. I think it is the first time we disagreed. Uh, it's a monumentous maybe, moment. Maybe the other one we disagreed on was the Scotty Cameron. Um, yeah, we disagreed on that one. But, 
it, it is kind of a cult. I, I can agree with the cult part, but it's they're the best cult, the best putters I've ever used. So, well, I'll uh, one one day I'll have one, but for now I'm gonna stick with my good old thrifted clubs. <laughs> I only have two Scotty Camerons. I I I need a third. I only have two putters. <laughs> I only ha- uh, I have I have three putters. One's broken. I found it in the oh. trash at um, Seven Lakes, and I just haven't put a new shaft oh. in there yet. That's pretty good. Yeah. Well, I think uh, I'm all wrapped up. If you're all wrapped up. I think I'm all wrapped up, too. So thank you guys right, for watching, listening, subscribing. Um, we'll be back next Wednesday. I'll have two tournaments to talk about. So um, if I win, we'll be popping champagne in bottles. Popping bottles. Popping bottles with some models. If not, we're going to talk about how depressing the rounds were. <laughs> All right. It's going to be popping bottles or popping antidepressants, either one. Yeah. It's... We're going to be popping something. Popping something. Um, so stay tuned for that. Uh, anything else on your side? Keep an eye out for on our TikTok and Twitter. I'm going to – I'm. I haven't posted made any tweets or done anything on Twitter yet, just because I'm still still waiting on what I don't I don't know I'm lazy. That's I, there's no excuses. I haven't done it yet, just because I haven't thought about it. But keep an eye on our Twitter. I'm gonna start getting more active on that, and keep an eye out on TikTok for this putter restoration. That's gonna be phenomenal. Which would also be a good thing to post on Instagram too. That's true. It'll be on all our socials. Yeah. YouTube, so, Instagram, TikTok, Instagram. Maybe a YouTube short here or there too. Yeah, YouTube, um, YouTube shorts. So we're so people can see it in like six months. Yeah. So we're trying to pump up some more content too to get some more views and more eyes. So uh, make sure you subscribe to the podcast here on YouTube or on any of the other platforms: Apple Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Um, I think there's another one that's on there somewhere. Um, thank you guys once again and see you next Thursday. Peace.